Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 300 on a Tuesday, the 21st of January 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week I have risen from the dead to take part in our 300th episode, where we'll be talking about how we've reached the playground name-calling stage in the Gon drama. We ask if we can ever hope to have anything but monochrome on cars. And we talk about a dad who has raised the dadness bar, which isn't making him any friends around here, quite frankly. But first, Gone. Ah, right, OK, we're going to rattle through this. Uh, Nissan released information about how they, uh, through their internal investigation in the Rebel Alliance, have discovered how Gone has mis appropriated monies uh, for personal or they are alleging for personal reasons and purposes so they've uh, this is just carrying on from some information we knew about so there was the party at the palace of versailles which uh, we know has been paid back trips to rio de janeiro carnivals (laughs) is apparently (laughs) using that that's quite bad isn't it yes well, it depends on whether he did use the money or not, isn't it? Because this, as Nissan's, uh, sorry, as Carlos Ghosn's lawyers say, well, just hang on a second. You never interviewed Carlos Ghosn, nor Kelly, who's the poor chap who's still in Japan mm. <laughs> after Ghosn did these runner. This is just a basic smear campaign to try and show that uh, Ghosn's a bad person when, uh, you know, it's biased, it's not true. Uh, and it it's just not on. So, so that's why I that's why I'm suggesting we're at the name calling stage in this. Way, so. It it does seem like that, doesn't it? It's it's all got a little bit tit for tat and silly. And he would stood up and he said things about us, so we've got to say things about him back again. Yeah, because because there isn't going to be a, well, it doesn't appear there's going to be a case, although there's rumours of trying to hold it in Lebanon. Yeah, like that's going to happen because people will feel that's fair. But equally, I saw another, not that I'm going to link into it or or go into too much detail, but I saw an an article that suggested that the Lebanese government was asking Carlos Ghosn directly, please don't name specific Japanese ministers. Please don't ruin our strained diplomatic relations with Japan. (laughs) You you got that appearance uh, during the press conference as well. His phrasing and his explicit, he said, I'm not naming them because I've been asked not to. Mm. So he was completely out about that. So yes, that that's not a surprise because no. someone specifically said, "Does it, you know, go as far as the, as high as the Japanese Prime Minister?" And he said, "No, no, no, of course not. No, no, no. I, I don't believe that." Um, that is it, Akio. I said, "I don't don't believe that he's involved in any way at all. It's this levels. This is other levels below him." That was as much as he would say uh, when he was being pressed relatively hard about it. Mm. Right, let's move on to some new news. Tell us yeah. about Cardiff. Yeah, well, it's congestion congestion zone corner, really. Yes. Or congestion it? charge corner. I think it's going to have to be a new feature because it's happening. It's it. It is talked about being happening everywhere. Oh God, there was some. T- there was a tense there somewhere. I don't know which one's <laughs> the right one. Uh, the. <laughs> Uh, because lots and lots of the sort of of city councils are starting to say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make clean air zones uh, in the middles of our towns or cities. Mm-hmm. So Cardiff is proposing a two pound congestion charge for drivers who live out with uh, central Cardiff, and that is as part of a two billion pound transport plan. So this isn't being just put in 
uh, on its own and sort of tacked on top of everything else. Yeah. Uh, hello, Oxford. Uh, but this is actually as part of a plan to to really try and rejig and bring the public transport system in Cardiff uh, up to scratch. I mean, they've said themselves in this the BBC article that's linked that essentially the, the current public transport infrastructure isn't quite fit for purpose. It's creaking, isn't it? I think was the word. Yeah, I think used. that was the word. Was it? I yeah. thought it was fit for purpose. I thought fit for purpose came in there. Maybe I just read it. No, no, it was creaking and no longer fit for purpose. That was it. See, see, I knew I'd read it properly. Uh, and it's been warned it's at a very dangerous point with transport links and infrastructure. So this is part of a whole load of, of trying to make the public transport more integrated, like having a being able to have a single sort of travel pass for all the different modes of transport mm. in the middle of the city, trying to link up some of the stuff that's already there but might be a bit unlinked and sort of hanging about the place uh, and that kind of stuff. So lots of good initiatives built into one single plan. This is just a small part of it. But, you know, the first phase that they're going to do is a park and ride. So immediately there should be less need to try – well, Two park and rides, I think. Yeah. What's the plural of park and ride? Is it parks and ride? So two of them, them things anyway, <laughs> which already, you know, this is what you do instead of taking your car in and then they introduce the two pounds charge. Yeah, it, it does seem that they have thought about the whole system, not just gone, oh, cars are evil, which is being deployed by other places or appears to be yeah. how it's being reported anyway. So this, this, this looks actually as far as these things go and, and from a distance, it looks quite sensible and the time scales seem quite realistic as well. Cause the, the congestion charge wouldn't start till 2024. Hmm. Once there are uh, improvements to a um, Cardiff Parkway uh, and another station and the two park and rides have been up and running for a couple of years. As I say, put the infrastructure in place first and then yeah. say, no, you can't do that anymore. You've got to use this stuff we put in place. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, uh, which which is surprising. I have dealt with Cardiff in a professional way in the past. So it is quite surprising that they've been quite so, quite, quite so <laughs> clever about this. Yes. Diplomacy in action. Right, moving on before Alan causes uh, causes us to, uh, to alienate the city of Cardiff further. But uh, Only I the tend council, to do mate. to uh, alienate some, somewhere in the southwest, actually. But Bath Council has submitted their final plans for a clean air zone, or CAS, to central government for approval. And if this is approved, it would go live on Wednesday, the 4th of November, 2020. So there's not a lot of time for this. They've been planning it for several years, apparently, um, and they want a Class C clean air zone, which I, I've not investigated what Class C means. There is a link in the motoring research article that yeah. this links to, which in turn can explain all of these. It's a really nicely written piece, actually. Yeah, it was uh, Richard Alcock did it, so you'd expect it to be. But the um, clean air zone is around the city centre. However, it does actually take a portion of the uh, the A. Th oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I've lost A36, it. A thirty six. Yes, which the Road Haulage Association has criticised because polluting lorries will be charged a uh, hundred pound a day. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's lorries. That is coaches, buses, uh, yeah. taxis, taxi non compliant taxis, minibuses, and vans. It's a hundred pound a day. And they've they've 
they've got a portion of the ring road or the bypass in their mm-hmm. clean air zone, which seems a little harsh. Yeah, it does a bit. Because the whole point of the bypass is to go around. But, mm, well, as we said with Bristol, if they do get the approval for this and they do implement it, then Bath can enjoy things costing a lot more in the centre of town. Yeah. Because it... Yeah. The, there's no way the, the the haulage firms can take that cost. You can't. You really can't. Margins are so yes. small that you cannot take an extra £100 just slapped on you like that. No. And yes, no. lorry firms will be getting cleaner and cleaner vehicles as they go through the system, but not everybody can do that tomorrow. So No, not quite. <sighs> anyway. So what we seem to be seeing a real pattern here between some that seem incredibly well thought out with timescales, etc., and others which seem a little bit... I don't know. Supposedly the Bath one's been in consideration for quite some time. Yeah. They must have what they feel is a very good reason to include that portion of the bypass. There, there must be, yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Tell us about the government, though, Alan. Oh, well, the government are doing this. They uh, are doing it, of course, on a much grander scale, and they're talking about bringing forward the what keeps being described as the banning the sale of new diesel and petrol cars by 2040, which is really the banning and sale of diesel and petrol only powered vehicles so non-hybrids or anything like that uh, and they're saying they they are off to uh, consult and to get guidance on whether they should consider bringing it forward to 2035 which i believe is is that not the same is that not the same time as as, as scotland is doing it i think so yeah it's england following scotland yet again he says predicting what nicola sturgeon will say <laughs> But interestingly, they're they're also saying that central government cars are to be electric by 2030 as well. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what that means, whether it's like minister cars or whether it is the civil servants as well or anybody doing any government-y, business-y must only do it in an electric vehicle. I'm not sure. It does say all central government, so I would imagine that that's the second option that you gave there. It's quite a lot of um, ministerial cars. They use... Well, they use their own fleet, but then they've also got they also for smaller ministers, <laughs> sub ministers. They already use green tomato and stuff as well, oh, okay. and th- I think they already have agreements in place about that it needs to be hybrid taxis if it's up to so much, uh, okay. so many people. I believe that kind of thing already exists, especially people like the Environment Agency and stuff are very hot on that. Yeah. You'll quite often notice that the Environment Agency runs Mitsubishi Outlander Fev commercials. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. the reason. It's kind of the reason that model exists here. Yes. Um, is because the Environment Agency used them a lot. It was announced today, and this may come into this this whole by twenty thirty, but and not that we've actually mentioned this story or got it in in the running. But, but Jaguar have announced a deal of six hundred electric i paces to the NHS. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Sorry. Seven, do apologise, Jaguar. Seven hundred. So that's that's good news because then they'll be seen. By more people in the pub, you know, public eye and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. It really is, to be honest. It's as much a case of people understanding that EVs are out there, yeah, uh, and you in use and usable properly. Yep. Even right now, folks. Even yes. right now. Right. Continuing on an EV theme, because crikey, this is a heck of a three hundredth episode. This is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Well, we haven't mentioned Dieselgate, so that's that's a blessing. <laughs> Do you know what? Kia. Next week. Yes, well, I did see something come out that may bring it back. But... Let's talk about this ar- the arrival that I thought was already dead. Yes. Hyundai and Kia 
have announced they're investing 85 million in Arrival, which is the, if you remember, the small or light good vehicle, uh, electric vehicle company. So they're going to do small and medium-sized vans or like shuttle service stuff. It's the one where they had the mock-up of the Royal Mail. Well, no, the Royal Mail's involved as well. I know they're interested, but whenever this company was mentioned, that was always the thing that was shown. So here's this. Oh, yeah. It's it's the Postman Pat van, everyone. Yeah, with with the Royal Mail slapped on the side. Now, they've been very quiet to the point where, as Alan pointed out, we thought they disappeared. They'd been swallowed mm-hmm. up in startup black holes. But no, they've been working in, as their as their CEO, Dennis Sverdlov, said, uh, they've we're excited to come out of stealth mode. Um, <laughs> so stealth, we hadn't seen them. Yeah, they've got a, a second generator or Gen 2.0 electric van which is supposed to be coming out next year but the technical details are still quite quite guarded and we don't know for sure the ones that have been rumored look quite impressive as well as the price because it's supposedly priced around 35 grand which undercuts that morris significantly you buy about 10 grand yeah Mm. yeah yeah and it's it and this is a bigger van yeah so it'd be interesting to see how it comes in because I think it's a smart little. It's it's a bit generic. The, the, the renderings vehicle. are lovely, Andrew. Yes, but whether it looks like that in reality, I don't know. But I, uh, my imagination is it won't look quite like that in reality. Partly because in reality, I would expect it to have wing mirrors. No, it'd be cameras. Everybody's got cameras these days. Come on, and fish tanks. Yeah, I like the fish tank. For hobnot fans, you'll notice that there is a a single pantograph wiper on the front of it so anyone who follows ian's ian's videos will will understand just why that is a a great draw and so he'll he'll be a fan almost immediately i think these look really great i really actually want this to succeed because i think they would look really cool dodging around the place although they will never be as glossy no the royal mail livery will never be as clean as as the one in the rendering there uh, especially not after about three minutes in so yeah, because what what makes Arrival stand out more than others, perhaps, is their uh, modular platform, which can obviously shrink down. And it's going to be the same sort of skateboardy style platform that they'll add to or shrink from to make the smaller and the larger uh, vehicles. The, the trouble with that is that doesn't guarantee success, as anyone who's who's followed who followed uh, Faraday Future will remember. Yeah, I think they had other issues rather than I'm not platform. sure I'm not sure the skateboard was the problem for Faraday yes. I think it was I think it was the least of their worst something to do with money yeah. yes <laughs> right take us to Nottingham Alan I'd really rather not to be honest well you're gonna have to Robin Hood Robin Hood etc etc uh, now uh, Nottingham are talking about fitting five inductive charging plates for electric taxis outside of the railway station so that taxis can charge right there in the rank and so that they can um, charge in the rank and then when a fare comes along nobody needs to get out and unplug and jiggle stuff around similarly when they have to move along the rank people don't have to get out and remove cables and then plug in again the taxi driver can just drive off and up until that point then then the charging has been done without contact with up to some ridiculous distance isn't it so it's well over 100 millimeters yeah. uh, between the plate and the between the sending plate and the receiving plate 
the sending plate on the ground and the receiving plate on the bottom of the taxi. Yeah. It's the perfect use for inductive charging. If only someone had designed, when he was at university, an electric autonomous taxi that, that charged by induction, who would have thought about it? Mm. Oh, yeah. So, yes, I think this is this is an interesting idea. I don't see why there would really be any reason why this can't happen, having seen inductive charging in action in the past. And, again, all, all the tech's kind of there. I can't remember who owns it now because I always – Think of you know the the big one that was that was there really was uh, was was Qualcomm's. And they sold it on to the Chinese competitors who bought it wholesale. If you remember listening to Rearview with Graham, well, I should know. That's the problem. Uh, you will find all the details there. And but I think I think it's really exciting. I think that's one of the one of the bits of tech that will rocket adoption of EVs. If, if they can get that to work, because people won't have to worry then. There mm-hmm. won't be a, oh, I forgot to plug it in moment. Or, yeah. oh, it's messy. I don't want to go out in the rain. It's just get out your car. It's doing it. You do nothing. And then you get in it later, whether you're on the road or at home or wherever it is or in your street. And, you know. I, I've, I, I've, been I, in a, I've been in a car whilst it has been parked over an induction charging pad. And it's like a little game of Space Invaders. Uh, basically on the little screen it comes up and it tells you whether you need to be left a bit right a bit whatever and there's plenty of tolerance as long as you're pretty much over it then mm-hmm. then you're good and as long as you're not too far back or too far forward so you're going to be just fine it's it's cool it's um the efficiency is really not that far below actually having a cable either yeah and it works through water and all sorts of things i saw somebody quote something dumb on twitter the other day which was oh yeah they they tried it but then uh but then a cat went and lay on it and got fried oh god so i asked him if he could provide the source and i've heard nothing back ever since that's source <laughs> s-o-u-r-c-e not s-a-u-c-e <laughs> to go along with the fried cat okay so so yeah which uh i have a i basically i haven't even gone as far as asking graham if that is even vaguely true because from what i've seen it ain't gonna make a difference yeah. But yeah, very interesting stuff. I'm I'm a huge fan of induction charging uh, and the possibilities that can bring. Yep, absolutely. Right, I'm going to move us on to uh, another fascinating topic, traffic surveys. Now, bear with me, everyone. Bear with me. Uh, this is a, going to be a European-wide one where they're going to target five cities to try and learn more about traffic flow because something we've said a lot is – and something we always bang on about, particularly if people use statistics or if they try and justify the decision vaguely sciencey or pretending to be scientific in basis of of facts, you need to know what's going on. What's going to happen is that there's going to be some sensors put in, thanks to Horizon 2020 European funding research, in Madrid, Dublin, Cardiff, Oh dear, uh, Leuven and oh, I can't even pronounce that. I don't even know. Ljubljana, yes, Ljubljana. Thank you. Where's and that? Lo- I should know that. I'm so sorry. I've had a complete mental blank. Well, so you're better than me. At least you could say it and have a vague idea where it and is. Lo- <laughs> Leuven is is between Amsterdam and the Hague. It's where um oh, one of the card designery people lives there. Oh, Drew Meehan lives there. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Because what they're trying to do is they want to find out 
all the types of traffic flow. So that's pedestrians, that's cyclists, that's cars, vans, lorries, all of it. So that they then actually have some facts of what happens when are there spikes, which obviously we know there are. Why are this? Is there a reason for these spikes? What's the reason? You know, all this sort of stuff so that from this information, they can maybe look at tackling congestion and therefore improving air quality in maybe different ways than has been approached by some cities up to now, <coughs> shall we say, <laughs> where they've just decided on something and that's it because it sounds right. So uh, this is important stuff. You can, uh, this is where I get a little bit twitchy, you can watch the data in real time through a website and they're very clear that we do not tell you what the address is of where our sensors are, but you can see, but you'll know the street. So all you have to do is walk along and look at whose window's got one of these low-resolution cameras sticking out into the street. Yeah, but how many people are actually going to do that? Yeah, Let's and, be and what, fair about what it. Effect, you know, uh, yeah, yes, low-res cameras are better from a privacy point of view because they just want to go, that is a person walking, that is a bicycle, that is a car. That's the hmm. level of detail they need, and that's, that's fine. And interestingly, they're using these Raspberry Pis, which are not, like mega computing technology it's just, it's just a sing it's been just used for a single purpose connecting into the household's wi-fi and sending the data to a, to the the cloud or and cloud i had to explain that today that the cloud is other people's computers which got a laugh thankfully yeah so uh i'd be actually interested to see the data and i'd be interested to see how this is interpreted and then used, more importantly. I think it's a good idea. So rather than politicians and councillors spouting, well, this is a dreadful thing, we'll actually have some proper information. We'll know how dreadful it is. Yes. <laughs> Come on, colour colour me every colour that you can, except for... <laughs> oh, except for grey. Goodness me. Grey paint was chosen by more new car buyers or specifiers than any other in 2019. That's the second year running. Go grey. Second year in a row. Next one was black, oh, and then God. there was white. Wee. And that was 60% of all new cars. Just come on. Everybody is so worried about residual value, or people who are pre-registering or buying for fleets are so worried about residual value that they're just sticking with the safest and the dullest, quite frankly. Silver has dropped lowest total sales for 20 years as opposed to as opposed to grey. So, you know, grey is the new silver. Super Mini drivers chose white because, of course, uh, white normally you don't have to pay a colour tax on. And so if you're trying to go for the cheapest car, then that's the way of doing it. Executive luxury car buyers bought black, diesel, petrol. Everybody preferred grey, but electric car drivers chose white. The least popular cars were maroon, cream, and pink, which I quite like a nice. I don't know. Maroon, is that really that uh, a burgundy colour? Because I yeah, quite like a burgundy I like, car. I like a burgundy. There was something you were driving recently which looked good in the burgundy. That'll be the Hyundai i10. Yes. I do like a burgundy, but I like a green as well. Unfortunately, that isn't in the uh, that isn't in the chart. The trouble is that nobody offers them. People don't offer nice colours, so people can't buy nice colours. They offer seven shades of grey BMW Audi, and it's just a bit tedious. I mean, the only reason I have what's classed as a white car is because I got no flipping choice. 
in the matter. Well, you wanted to stand out from the crowd. You wanted to be a special soldier. (laughs) It's got red and black bits on it. Um, (laughs) Red dropped again less than 10% of the market market share. And green, practically nothing. But nobody offers green. That's the challenge. Except for that nice Lexus LS. Oh, the new, oh, yeah, that nice, yes, the one that's just joined the press fleet. Yeah, then I'm not jealous at all. I didn't, I wasn't looking, dribbling in the window as I was looking through into the warehouse. Green with tobacco leather. Oh, did you see it before the pictures were published? Yeah. (laughs) I was very good and didn't take photos. But I got around it by saying, what is, what can't I take photos of? Well, I was only, I was only looked through the window anyway. That's that's not, let's not go on about how I, how I, uh, how I was unlucky. Oh. I think we're about the end of part one now. We are at the end of part one. I love how we're not even pretending it's halfway through yeah, anymore. Not doing that anymore. Uh, so, so yes, it's guilt minute. That moment that means another reminder to those of you who haven't done so to complete our listener survey. You can do that via motoringpodcast.com. Click the button on the right-hand side of the homepage. If you're one of the many folks who've already completed it, then thank you so very much. If you haven't done it yet, even if you're just an occasional listener, I strongly urge you to please, please, please go and go and click on that Uh, for those of you who wish to contribute financially give a little every month to help cover our expenses then the become a patron button is right there as well you can click there and find out more about our patron offering and what you'll get at the different levels of patronage uh, lastly don't forget about the sweet merch many of you've been buying the sweet merch which i'm i'm so pleased about to the stage where where i'm i'm planning some more t-shirt and possibly mug combos as well so we'll phase see what happens phase two but though they might about. be a month or so yes. yeah so yes uh there'll be some more of that uh and upper tier upper tier patrons get substantial discounts on that uh, as well be much more merch coming when i have time to get these ideas out but thank you all so much for your interest so far and your orders and everything else yep. and those of you who've got stuff sharing pictures or telling us and, and saying what what nice quality they quality it is which is great I'm glad you like it too yeah. so quite a lot of experimentation went into that so it's fab that it's that it's uh that it's working out uh please yeah survey it, it's important we're gonna we will leave the survey running uh but it'd be really really good if we could get a few more folk in before the end of this month because we want to do some stuff with some of the results just about then so really if you want to be counted in the 2019-2020 survey results, please, if you could get it in by the end of the month, that would be fantastic because we've got some stuff that we want to do. Yep, thank you. Brilliant. Formula E. Santiago. In Santiago in Chile on Saturday. Now, I confess I didn't see any of it. I've seen highlights. That's good because I've been running around like a blue-bottomed insect. So Max Gunter. Mm. Uh, one is the youngest winner in Formula E ever with a rather neat last lap move, I believe. Turn nine. Turn nine. Thank you. Uh, for those of you following along at home, he passed Antonio Felix da Costa. Just you know, say turn nine, three corners to go to then win for BMW I Andretti Motorsport. Which sounds yep. like there's a, it sounds like some kind of weird Latin, really. Mitch Evans was third, by the way. Mitch Evans was that. Thank you very much. He started on pole, if I remember correctly. How much of a crash fest was it, was what I was going to ask mm, you. There there was a couple of things that really struck me. First of all was turn two, and they had painted where the track should go. And 
a lot of cars just completely ignored that and went in a straight line rather than round the corner. And I don't mm. think anybody got done for track limits. Yet you could see some of the cars were trying to follow the route that had been painted, yet others just went, no, we're going to come up your inside and we're going to make it that you can't turn in. Which, uh, because I wasn't watching it live, I don't know how that panned out. But in the highlights, it was never mentioned, oh, look at all these cars being naughty. Hmm. Which they normally do in the past. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of robust, I think is how the commentators put it, overtaking at turn 10, which was a very sharp hairpin to come back just before. That was the sharpest one of the whole, the yeah. whole track. Well, there was yeah. a lot of, of robust, or perhaps how the rest of us would put it, punting going on, mm. and bodywork was affected. Some of it flew off cars. Some of it just rubbed away. People had to retire because of it. I was... I have to say how people acted at turn 10 was a bit disappointing because there was a lot mm. of contact there. It was if it it was touring car levels of contact Ooh, in non-touring car vehicles. And that's what they're really trying to avoid. Yeah. Is trying to avoid this year. I mean, we talked talked last week about it. I mean, they didn't have a pinch point where the the track went wide and came narrow into a corner. Mm. It was just it is such a shot. It was a complete 180 degree turn. Mm -hmm. on itself it came back on itself but just people wouldn't give any room and just people were lunging up inside it it reminded me a lot of if you play forza online or things like that where you just get some random one just goes no i can come up the inside and just knock into you and carry on i'll be fine <laughs> that's what it reminded me of online gaming a lot which is a shame mm. but it was it was great for gunter because he'd saved he'd done a better battery uh, conservation through the race so he oh, had right. just awesome. a little bit percentage more and it was like only one or two percent so he could bomb it past into turn nine and and they and had enough to go then cool so yeah no it was it was it was good it was a good race apart from that turn 10 and like i said the turn two just struck a chord as well that particularly mm. at the start didn't seem within the spirit of it no no not if when when you could see someone clearly trying to follow where they should go and others just didn't bother mm. that's not so hot not so hot well it won't be much of an issue next year by the looks of it no because this is going to be the that was the last santiago epri for the time being the reason isn't that people don't want there to be an epri in santiago people certainly formula e would love to keep it there but the deal can't be reached until local elections which are due in october and that's too late to secure a 2020-2021 Formula E calendar slot. Yeah. Might still happen, though. Maybe. Might still yeah. happen. Maybe. Let's see what happens. But there we go. Yep. WRC. And calendars have changed. Sticking with Chile, <laughs> which we are. But Rally well, Chile yes. organisers have asked to withdraw from this season's championship. So that has been agreed by the FIA. So it was now going to be 13 rounds. Mm -hmm. And Rally Argentina is going to move forward a week. Uh, so it means that actually gives an extra week to get the everybody from South America across to the Kenya, rally, Kenya Safari Rally, mm -hmm. which will be helpful because the spec of the cars i think changes quite a bit when it goes between those two rallies well it it, it does yeah so the, the the cars will take one route and all the other addendum will take the other route will yeah. go by so the cars will probably go by plane and bounce back to base and then out again uh, but when 
whilst everything else is loaded on a ship and and, and shipped around the Horn of Africa yeah. to, to try and get that there. For, for junior WRC, for those who play along with that as well, Wales Rally GB is now going to replace Chile. So they're going to have, they're actually going to be able to do junior WRC at, in uh, North Wales. In so Wales. That'd be cool. Yep. Brilliant. And that's going to be 29th of October to 1st of November for, for Rally Wales. Yeah. And coming up this weekend, Monte Carlo. And Yay. there's supposed to be snow inbound. Yay! I'm looking forward to that, actually. Looking forward to that because I've seen a, a quick clip of Ogier in a Yaris and it looked like it, he needed another gear at the top end. <laughs> he was going that. The engine was hitting the Incredible. limiter and he was flat out. <laughs> so, Just nuts. Absolutely yeah. nuts. Yeah. Okay, lunchtime. Oh, it's a lunchtime watch this... this uh, this week, and instead of watching it at lunchtime, I watched it whilst I ate my dinner earlier on. Uh, and it's a new YouTube channel called Open Garage, and that's from John Quirk, formerly of uh, Motor One mm-hmm. uh, and others. Uh, he started it, and his first one is is a series called Autobiography, uh, which is all about cars and the people and why they like particular cars and why they buy particular cars. This one starts off with a Morgan three-wheeler and friend of the show and friend of John's and for God you, John's, uh, Alex Goy uh, features. So if you like Alex Goy, if you like Morgan's, and if you like really nicely put together video, yeah, yeah, this, this is cracking. They've only got 28 subscribers as we record. Up that, everyone, please. Up that. Because this this It's was worth at least... Uh, what really struck me... Because we, you know, you 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 sort of, and it sounds ridiculous, but you sort of get used to hearing Alex talk, and you know mm. his style, and you know what you're going to get from that. But what really struck me was how well this film was put together and edited and shot, and it was. Ju- I just think it's a lovely, lovely bit of work. We want more of them, please. So, um, <laughs> actually, I have already subscribed. I'm just going to like as well. I'm not going to click the bell because it will appear anyway in my uh, whenever I go into YouTube, so I don't need a notification. But uh, yeah, 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 like and subscribe. Yep, do it, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Etc. Etc. Yeah, really nice. It's only seven and a half minutes long, by the way, so it, it's not as if you have to to set aside an entire evening for it. It really can be watched in in your lunchtime. Yeah, beautiful thing. Yep. Well, well done, done everyone. Yeah, looking forward to more of them. Yes. Right, list of the week. And this is from Autocar from a couple of weeks ago, I think, uh, or last Mm. week. Uh, No, just a couple. The largest engines to deliver the smallest power. So welcome to American Motors, everyone. (laughs) Yeehaw! It's a bit of a joke, obviously, us in Europe who knows how to to make engines and get power out of them and all the rest of it. We, We mock our cousins over the pond, but there are some stunningly massive engines that have laughably small brake horsepower numbers. <laughs> the one I've got in front of me here at the minute is the AMC Gremlin. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's a compact hatch, which is about, oh, a third of it is bonnet. Yes. Uh, and it could be bought in the 1972 model year. You could specify a 5-litre V8, okay, in something that, uh, what would we say it's about the size of? I don't know. It's like a three-door, I don't know. Practically, it's about the size of a three-door Golf, I would say, or a Golf at the time. Uh, and that puts out, that five-litre V8 puts out 150 brake horsepower. 
Yes. 39 brake horsepower per litre. It's just amazing. This is an auto car uh, slideshow, so usual caveats still amazingly uh, are in place, as in the text will get corrupted. But do click through and chortle away. Uh, I mean, at one point they do actually, uh, to be fair, there is the Alpha Spider in there, and they talk about how they tried to keep below uh, regulations for why they have massive engines but with small <laughs> outputs. Uh, so that's that's in there. But there, and one of the things I'm really struck by is how wonderfully boxy the American. There's, there's one there. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to ignore your wonderful boxiness, and I'm going to point out the the 1982 Pontiac Firebird, which, when you get to it, will be a car that you will recognise. Yeah. And it's five liter V8, put out 145 brake horsepower. It, or you could have, and that was the high powered one, or you could get it with a two and a half liter 90 brake horsepower four cylinder kit did not look like he had a 90 brake horsepower, two and a half litre, four cylinder. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Got distracted there, but it was just, just you know, <sighs> dear me. Yep. So run run through the slideshow. Uh, there are some amazing, some amazing designs as well as engine. <laughs> there are some absolutely shock, shocking Malaysia era vehicles. The Dodge Mirada, which I wouldn't have known what that was. It's related to the Chrysler Cordoba. Now, is the Chrysler Cordoba not the one with with Corinthian leather seats? Someone, uh, please, please, listeners, I'm sure at least one of you will correct. will know that. It's the Corin- fine Corinthian leather was the Chrysler Cordoba. I say these things, then I really need to stay in more, don't There's I? the AMC Matador, which is uh, actually looks like it's scowling. Mm. American Motors did not make pretty cars, really. No. No. Um, there was a Matador Coupe, and that's what the – was it not a Matador Coupe? And that's what uh, Scaramanga drove in The Man with the Golden Gun, the one that ended up with the wings on the top and then flew. Ah, okay. I think that was a Matador Coupe, yeah. Okay. So it was very closely related to that. Oh, dear. Can we move on, please, before I show just how sad I am? Go to the end find. The end find. This is fantastic. This was well. This was an awesome find, Andrew. Uh, this was passed on to me by someone who doesn't live oh, was a million it? miles away from me. Oh, awesome. So thank you, people who don't live a million miles away from, from Andrew. It's it's a short story from thedad.com, and it's about a dad who has turned his kids' uh, little tykes' cozy coupes into a sort of Mad Max post-apocalyptic version with lots of stuff that you would think would damage the little tykes. <laughs> and they are absolutely awesome. I mean, I'm already um, looking to score the uncle points with my nephew yes. because I've declared that I'm the one who's going to buy the cozy coupe. The, the bar has been raised very high. The, the bar has been raised very high for us us parents. And, uh, I mean, I, I congratulate the chap, but I do not like him I think him it's now. awesome. I do not like him now for doing this. Because <laughs> it puts into sharp relief how useless I am. <laughs> I think the one with the doll strapped to the front is, yes. is just the right level of disturbing. Yes. In that the doll is not maimed in any way shape or form but just slightly grubby it's so cool please follow the link in the show notes uh and and go and see this because it is absolutely genius yep it's good yeah. work it is good work it's really good really good what a, what a great story perfect and finally there yep couple of parish notes 
parish notes, you'll find that last week, on Friday last week, I put out the first part of the Nürburgring 24 Special Edition, just to remind us how wonderful a lovely warm summer is. If you haven't listened to that, then do please do so, even if not for us. The interviews with Thomas Schmierer and uh, Albert Biermann. So Albert Biermann was... um, one of the, I don't want to say founding fathers, but a major man in BMW M. Yep. And is, uh, and is really the guy behind Hyundai's N performance brand. And they talk quite a lot about what's in, in some places, I think talked about things they probably were possibly weren't quite meant to talk about, uh, judging by the pained look on certain PR people's faces <laughs> at, at the time. Uh, not, not, not Hyundai UK PR people, by the way. And it's really, it's super interesting just, just for them. I mean, we're, we're not bad as well, but they are particularly, particularly good. Yeah. This Friday, I'll put out a lot of the stuff that I recorded there and then. So last week's is kind of missing out on atmosphere because I bundled it and all of our copyright issues that we may well have thanks to people playing Nina's 99 red balloons uh, and stuff like that into one show which is all about atmosphere and it's i'm really chuffed with it actually i know that sounds silly and self-praise is no honor i'm really chuffed with it and i hope you are too that's coming out on friday Mm -hmm. meanwhile rear view andrew yeah rear view is going to be on hiatus for a little while there's there is just not the capacity to do it justice uh i've got rather a lot on outside of the podcast and i don't want to do many half jobs rather than focus and do some things that are important that i am focused on so the the rear view has not died it's just got to sit on the back burner for a little while until Mm -hmm. i can clear my plate of a few things that need proper attention yep and then review can get proper attention and it'll yeah, be it can be done it, it can be it can be given the attention it deserves and needs to have as particularly the guests so absolutely so uh so yeah it's 300th episode so thanks everyone for listening because oh, yes. again in typical motoring podcast style we have done naffle for for quite a significant <laughs> number <laughs> We are useless at any anniversaries and celebrations. They sneak up on us, though. This one has. This one has, yeah. All of a sudden, we're at 260, and it's ages away. And then, oh, my God, what are we doing? It's 200, I realized last week it's 299. It's like, whoa, heck. But, yeah, we can't be too nice to each other because, of course, it's just after Christmas. Yeah, and we did that. And we were nice to each other at the before Christmas. So we're going to be nice to you listeners and just say thanks really appreciate it. It, it it's cool that we're we're here and and, uh, and that you listen and and stuff we enjoy doing this it's the main reason we do it if we didn't enjoy it we wouldn't do it yeah but you guys and your feedback uh absolutely rocks uh, i was explaining to people today guild of motoring writers and they were saying so do people give you feedback and it was like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> we have the I didn't want to sound like Donald Trump by stating that we had the best listeners, but but we I was trying to explain, yeah, if we make a mistake, then people will call us out on it. And that's right and proper, and we'll say that we made a mistake. And you tell us when you like things, you tell us when you don't like things, and you're just really good. Yep. Thanks. I'll stop now before all your heads swell. It makes us look good as well. Yeah, and but 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 because that because they're good, people manufacturers are more than happy to talk to us. So 
and to yeah. listen to yeah. when we have ideas for things to uh, to listen to this or to come to us with ideas so you know because because we've got really good listeners uh, and I'm going to stop being nice to you all very shortly because you're going to make me feel me puke icky. in a moment. Yeah, it's, it's not like me at all. I don't I don't do compliments, but because of it, we're able to do, and we're going to continue to do more and interesting stuff. So mm-hmm. thank you. Meanwhile, don't forget between now and next week, you can give us any of that feedback and share any of those thoughts, but please only those thoughts, not your other thoughts. We don't want to know those. Uh, with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about Patreon uh, and uh, our merch. And if you can, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for crack windscreen, even if I could think I could say it after 300 episodes, uh, you will find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and uh, I don't know, see if uh, you are able to talk after, what's this going to be about nine hours of talking today? Something all like about that, yes. podcasts and podcasting. So uh, what's the best way for them to do that to you personally? Twitter, when I don't actually have to speak, is is the best. Um, <laughs> at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.